And welcome into 444.com to the most accurate podcast. My name is Anthony Stalter. I hope that you had a great holiday with your friends and family and you're looking forward to a uh, happy new year as well. John Paulson joins me as always. John, how are we doing? How was your holiday? Holiday was good. How was your holiday, Anthony? It was good. My, my folks are in town and um, got an opportunity to watch the kids open presents. And that's, it, it's true. I mean, you kind of move from, you know, being excited about getting presents when you're little and then you're more excited about giving presents when you get a little bit older so that was that was good my daughter's two and a half and uh she she doesn't know the whole she doesn't grasp the whole concept yet but she's definitely excited to open presents so she's probably at that age where she just really likes santa yes santa brings her things yeah exactly that's kind of that's kind of where we're at right now uh tell us about the music and then i want to kind of dive back into week 16 since we didn't have a, a monday podcast before we move on to week 17 yeah, this is an English uh, rocker, uh, Barnes Courtney, uh, not to be confused with Courtney Barnett, who's a, another artist that has kind of emerged over the last couple of years, but Barnes Courtney is a, a gentleman from England, and uh, the track is called 99, he released it uh, this year, 2018, and uh, it's a really good track, he's got quite a few songs uh, that have been played quite a bit on Spotify, so if you go to his Spotify page, you can see... Uh, kind of see his hits and uh, get a feel for what he's he's all about, but uh, check it out on the Most Accurate Podcast playlist. Let's go back to week 16 for a second. It was kind of a weird week where Todd Gurley didn't play, so if you were in a championship game or a playoff game, you didn't have his services. If you if you were good, if you're smart enough to pick up C.J. Anderson, that that worked out well for you. If you rolled the dice on you know other other uh, wide receivers or running backs, it was just. You know, it, it was really about playing a lot of backups. Uh, I lost my championship game despite scoring about 135 points. I lost because of your guy, Aaron Rodgers, and Devontae Adams. I played against them. They went off. How'd you do in your championship league? Or your championship yeah, so that, league? That Rodgers, Devontae Adams touchdown was, was that an overtime, right? Yes. Yeah, that, that, killed probably, me. that probably hurt you. Sorry to bring that back up again. That was <laughs> not nice. Uh, yeah, it was a really bizarre. Week 16, maybe one of the most bizarre from a ranking standpoint. Um, there's just so many situations going on, specifically the girly situation, because uh, the Rams played late and that threw a whole wrench into everything. Uh, you know, owners had to decide uh, 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, whether or not they were going to probably roll with girly or if they were fortunate enough to have C.J. Anderson on the uh, on the bench. The other situation that was developing during the week was that, you know, a lot of us thought that John Kelly was going to be the backup there, but, you know, sort of, I think it was Wednesday, Thursday, you know, Kelly got picked up in a lot of waiver wires, uh, uh, blind bidding uh, sessions or whatever during the week. And then the Rams started, I don't know, leaking information or telling people that they were going to start Anderson if Gurley didn't play. Uh, I commented on it. I thought it was really weird that a player that was picked up a week ago would step into starter snaps. But as you look deeper into Kelly's season, he was really inactive for the first 
10 or 11 weeks and three of the last four weeks he became active and some of that uh, was due to the other injuries in the backfield so they, they clearly didn't feel too confident in him just heading into the week and then they signed Anderson and started to declare that if, if uh, Gurley was out Anderson would be the guy so you know this is a little bit of a conflict to my reasoning for the Damian Williams play uh, a couple weeks ago uh, with Sharkandrick West coming back in, and then there was one like radio report that that West would uh, that that Spencer Ware wasn't going to play, and West was going to see eight to twelve touches or something like that. Uh, that was a different situation due to Damian Williams having the the faith of the coaching staff, uh, and he had been playing quite a bit even with Spencer Ware uh, healthy. So that was that's the difference there in terms of the thinking. And if there's multiple beat writers, you know, reporting that Anderson is going to start, then I'm not going to swim upstream with my rankings and fight that because of some, you know, depth chart problem I have with them signing Anderson off the street. And then the Jay Glazer quote from McVeigh uh, that kind of came out Sunday morning where he said that, it, you know, Gurley may go. Uh, but if not, it's going to be Anderson. That kind of pushed me over the top to rank Anderson, you know, well ahead of uh, John Kelly. Nice. And then to 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 throw everything, you know, in uh, a wrench into everything. Adam Schefter said that Gurley was planning to play, uh, barring a setback. So that was a lot of people waited, and uh, maybe it backfired on them, or they had to pivot to somebody else. But uh, luckily for me, I had Anderson on both my benches, plugged him in. I started Damian Williams in both my finals. Uh, Robbie Anderson, who I picked up a couple, three weeks earlier, and I ended up winning both my finals. I, I know this is important to people that listen, that the analysts that they follow have pretty good success. So I just want to be, you know, full disclosure, I finished third. My FFPC uh, league, that's the big money league, I uh, didn't make the final this this year. Uh, I finished f- first in my two leagues that I uh, had uh, the finals last weekend. And I think I had a second place finish in the in my league in the Scott Fishbowl, uh, and then my son Max won his league. So not a bad not a bad weekend in terms of uh, winning leagues here at the Paulson household. Nice, not at all. It's good. It's all it's awesome that Max did it as well. Um, do you want to move on to who's mot- motivated for Week 17, John? Because this is kind of a, a tough week, especially for those leagues that still do championships. I can yeah, kind of run if you want. I can kind of run down the list if you want. Save your save your breath a little bit. For yeah, the, go ahead the rest and run down the list. Um, all right. So if you go to four for four there, there's an article up by Jennifer uh, Eakins that you know runs through who's who's motivated throughout week seventeen. The teams that are highly motivated play on Sunday night. That's the Colts and the Titans. Both of the division is still up for grabs. Although the the Texans could wrap things up earlier in the day. Uh, with, with a victory themselves. But either way, the Colts and the Titans still have a, a playoff berth on the line Sunday night. The Chiefs are also highly motivated because they have not secured home field advantage or the division yet, but they will with a win over the Raiders at 425 Eastern. The Vikings are also highly motivated because they sit in the sixth seed right now heading into Week 17, and they need to hold off the Eagles, who are also highly motivated because uh, they're on the outside looking in for a playoff spot, but they're still alive. I mentioned the Titans. The Steelers are highly motivated. They need a win over the Bengals and some help. They need the Browns to take down the Ravens or a tie in the Sunday night game between the Colts and the Titans. Steelers really put themselves behind the eight ball last week, losing 
in New Orleans. But again, they're they're highly motivated. The Rams are motivated, although we'll get into Todd Gurley's situation in a little bit. They have not secured a first-round buy yet, so they still need to win. Patriots, same deal. Thanks to the Texans' loss, the Patriots are in position to, to secure a first-round buy, but they need to beat the Jets. Texans, I, motiv- I mentioned they're motivated. Ravens, I mentioned they're motivated. Same thing with the Chargers. The, the Bears are still motivated because they can finish no worse than the third seed, but they can also snag a first-round buy if the Rams happen to lose to the 49ers. Here's the teams that are not motivated that, that you need to be aware of. The Seahawks, they're, they're in the fifth seed no matter what. They're secured with the fifth seed. The Dallas Cowboys, even though Jason Garrett has mentioned that if you're healthy, he will play players. If you go back two years ago, Dak Prescott and Des Bryant, two two primary starters for the Cowboys, only played a series or two in Week 17 and then wind, wound up uh, watching the rest of the game from the sidelines. Ezekiel Elliott dressed, but he didn't play in that game. They're not motivated. I wouldn't lean on your Cowboys starters. Saints are not motivated against the Panthers. They are locked into the number one seed. And then eliminated from the playoffs, I'll just run through these teams quickly. Browns, Dolphins, Broncos, Bengals, Bills, Jaguars, Jets, Raiders, Redskins, Packers, Falcons, Panthers, Giants, Bucks, Lions, 49ers, and Cardinals. So that's who's motivated and who's not. If any of this went one ear and out the other for you, again, that article is posted by Jen at 444.com. John, any thoughts on this before we move on? Yeah, let me add a couple of caveats uh the as you mentioned the cowboys jerry jones says that they're gonna go all out to win but we can't trust him because he didn't they didn't do the they didn't do that in the past as you mentioned uh so i would say that the cowboys and the saints are probably gonna rest their starters significantly in this game if they even play at all uh the seahawks they're not motivated per se but they may have a preference about who they play i think you mentioned that they are the fifth seed either way they're actually there's a chance that they could be the sixth seed if minnesota wins and the seahawks lose uh so they may have a preference who they play um i guess it would be between the cowboys and the bears uh so that that may cause pete carroll and company to uh, if they want to win that fifth seed and end up playing the Cowboys instead of the Bears, that might be a reason for them to play in this game and play hard. Uh, the other two that I just wanted to caveat are the Chargers and the Bears. Um, they both can uh, improve their situation with a win and help from another team losing, but the teams that need to lose probably aren't going to lose. Uh, the, the Chiefs, uh, if they have a, a big lead at halftime against the Raiders, the Chargers may rest their starters in the second half of that game uh, because they can't improve their situation unless the Chiefs lose. And then the same thing for the Bears. Uh, they, they need the Rams to lose to the 49ers, a game that the Rams are probably going to win. Uh, so if the Rams are up 21-3 to or something at halftime, uh, the Bears may decide uh, to rest their key players in the second half of that game. So I would be a little lenient or a little hesitant, I should say, to uh, to use Bears or Chargers uh, I guess we're kind of talking about finals games. You probably should go ahead and do it if you're talking about, uh, you know, a good player for one of these teams. Melvin Gordon, I think I would continue to start. Keenan Allen, et cetera. Uh, but maybe some of the mar- more marginal players, like a Jordan Howard, I might lean against uh, using him in the second half. In tournaments, and DFS tournaments, I think they're still fine plays because you're, they're probably going to have lower usage because everybody's afraid that they may, may rest. So you may end up getting, uh, you know, if they go off, uh, you may end up uh, 
making up a lot of ground on the field uh, by playing by playing players from these teams. Thanks for uh, clarifying this the Seahawks one because I did think that they were locked in the fifth seed. So uh, as John noted, they're they're not. They could fall to the sixth seed if the Vikings win and uh, the Seahawks lose. All right, let, let's get into some dicey situations and some injuries and really the injuries make for dicey situations for fantasy owners this week. I, I mentioned Todd Gurley. He did not practice on Thursday. He did not practice on Wednesday. Sean McVay claimed that Gurley could still play against the 49ers without practicing. I I don't think that's very likely. He didn't play last week. They won. And C.J. Anderson, who John uh, you know, was going to share some thoughts on in a second here, C.J. Anderson played very well against Arizona. If Gurley is out, what do you think about Anderson as a DFS play in Gurley's absence this week? I think it'll be a strong. I think it'll be a strong play in DFS and just in in the final in somebody's final in the week seventeen. Uh, ESPN holds sometimes holds their finals in the in week seventeen for whatever reason. Um, so I think he's a strong play. I think that the, they probably will not start Gurley or have Gurley play. I think they're probably looking at this as a game against the Rams or against the uh, 49ers that they can win uh, with Anderson. Anderson obviously played very well last week against the. Uh, the Cardinals, so they are probably looking at getting Gurley two full weeks of rest here ahead of their uh, divisional round. Is it the divisional round? Yeah, divisional round game uh, in the playoffs. And uh, so I think I, I bet you that it'll be Anderson this week uh, against the 49ers. This situation is interesting in Kansas City. So Spencer Ware is practicing in full for Week 17 against the Raiders. He's been dealing with a hamstring injury. Looks like he's going to return. But Damian Williams has played so well that the, the Chiefs gave him a two-year extension through 2020. Now, Ian Rappaport of the NFL Network says that the, the max value is of $8.1 million. It's likely to be heavily incentive-laden. But with Damian Williams getting a contract extension, John, do you feel as though that he is the clear-cut back, even if they, they go with a committee in Kansas City? Yeah, this is a little different. I, I treat the situation a little differently than I would if it were, if it were say, uh, Kareem Hunt coming back from injury, who had who was the starter and was the clear starter, and you know was kind of and Damian Williams was kind of holding on the fort until he got back. I think Ware is a level or two below Hunt in in terms of the stability or the you know the the, the stake he had claimed for the starting job there. So I don't think Ware was very far ahead of Williams uh, when he got injured. So given the way that Williams has played, let's just remind folks he was. You know, ten for forty-nine, two touchdowns, rushing against the Chargers. He had six catches in that game for seventy-four yards. Uh, his second game as the starter, thirteen carries for one hundred three yards against Seattle. He did fumble the ball, but he had seven catches for thirty-seven yards and a touchdown uh, in that game. Uh, the previous game, week fourteen, in a part-time role, he ended up playing fifty percent of the snaps. He had eight carries, fourteen yards, a touchdown, four catches for sixteen yards and a touchdown. So one, two, three, four, five, five touchdowns in the last three games for Williams playing very well. His yards per carry is up at 5.3. He's been a career sub, uh, sub four yards per carry guy. So he's playing well above his head right now. That doesn't mean he's not capable of continuing this, but I think the, I think the Chiefs are very happy with what they've seen. That's why they gave him the contract extension and the contract extension to me indicates that he's going to be the starter this week. And I think he's still a strong play in both uh, season long and in DFS. 
It looks like the Tevin Coleman era in Atlanta is going to go out with a whimper. He remained sidelined on Thursday after suffering a groin injury that forced him out of the the game against the Panthers halfway through. He's, you know, I mean, he could he could still play, but he's a free agent at the end of the year. I doubt that the Falcons are going to commit more money to him with Devontae Freeman already making a lot of money for 2019. They also have Ido Smith on the shelf. So you're looking at Brian Hill, who rushed eight, ta- eight times for 115 yards last week against the Panthers. Now he did lose a second-half fumble, but otherwise played really well. What do you think about Hill? Assuming, of course, Te- Tevin Coleman does not play. What do you think about Hill as a DFS play? Yeah, I think I think Hill will be uh, sidelined. I'm sorry, I think Kevin Coleman will be sidelined. I'm kind of mad at him because I moved him up uh, late last week once the uh, Carolina defensive tackle, their top defensive tackle, was injured. And then uh, he had a pretty decent game, 10 carries for 51 yards, but then has that groin injury and uh, it ends up being Hill with the 115 yards rushing. Kind of annoying from my perspective, but that's what football, fantasy football is all about. It's about getting people getting injured and you not expecting it, uh, but you're trying to take advantage <laughs> of the situation. This week, uh, the the Bucks are 28th in just a fantasy points allowed to uh, running backs. The Falcons are still trying, it seems, to win games. Uh, so this is a good matchup, a good spot for, for Hill. He doesn't, hasn't shown much in the receiving game. He hasn't caught, he hasn't shown anything in the receiving game. He was targeted once, no catches on the season, uh, but did, did run the ball well against Carolina last week and should have another, uh, solid game running the ball against uh, the Bucks. James Connors practicing in full for week 17. Mike Tomlin called Connor questionable to play, but it looks like he's he's back on track. As we mentioned before, the Steelers need the need the game on Sunday against the Bengals, and uh, they need a little bit of help as well. But Jalen Samuels has obviously been filling in for James Connor. How do you see the workload being, um, you know, parceled out for the Pittsburgh running backs on Sunday? Yeah, this is a little bit different situation. As I was talking about the Chiefs earlier. Connor had had established himself as the clear lead back, and him coming back uh, practicing fully this week leads me to believe that he's a full go. Now, it doesn't mean that he's going to get the 80, 90% of the touches that he was seeing earlier in the season, but he should lead the backfield in touches or it should be a near split, which is bad news for Samuels owners or, or anybody who wants to use him in, in DFS because he's going from, from being a 15 to 21 touch player uh, running back, which is what he saw the last couple of weeks, uh, maybe to seeing 10 to 12 touches uh, as kind of a change of pace back, uh, pass catching back. So um, I think this is going to be more of a committee this week uh, against the Bengals. All right. Matt Breida is out for week 17. The 49ers are playing the Rams in LA. He's dealing with that ankle injury. So Jeff Wilson's going to be the starting running back against the Rams. The, the Rams have uh, not been great defensively overall. They're allowing 5.0 yards per carry. Do you think that Wilson is going to be a solid DFS play as well? Yeah, I think he's uh, cheap. Uh, you can probably pick him up off the waiver wire and start him in your in your season long as well. Uh, you know, weird things happen with teams like the 49ers who are out of the playoff hunt. They may suddenly decide they want to look at another running back. Uh, Alfred Morris has kind of fallen out of favor there. So they don't seem too interested in looking at him. Uh, he's got a lot of tape on uh, in his history, so they don't need to look at him. Maybe Wilson, being a younger back, will be the guy. Uh, a little bit risky from that standpoint. You, know, you just don't know what they're going to do. Uh, but he has carried the load in the past. I mean, he, 23 touches against Seattle with uh, Breida getting banged up. 
uh, 20, 24 touches against uh, Denver in week 14. And then his last Seattle game, he only had seven uh, carries, but that was with uh, Breeder back. And then uh, he had 13 touches uh, against Chicago last week. And obviously it's a bad matchup against Chicago. The Rams are 17th in just fancy points allowed running back. So it's a better matchup. Uh, and he can catch passes too. So if the running game's not going well, he can make some noise in the passing game. Royce Freeman's going to start for the Broncos with Philip Lindsay undergoing wrist surgery. Lindsay's done for the the year. He's got kind of a lengthy recovery, at least that's some of the, some what some of the reports are. Uh, you know, some of some of the the reporters are reporting. Freeman is facing the uh, what? Who who the Broncos play? Who they host? Chargers. Chargers. Sorry. Yes. So talk to us about Royce Freeman. Yeah, he should see double-digit uh, carries. Uh, he only has six catches on the year, so they may use Devonta uh, Devonta uh, Booker in that. I was going to say Devonta Freeman. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Devonta Booker in that uh, role, uh, the pass-catching role. So you're look, maybe looking at a, a split here with uh, you know Freeman trying to get going as the runner, and then Booker coming in on third down, doing most of the passing game work. So that up that kind of caps his upside a little bit. I mean, he might end up he could end up with a hundred yards and two touchdowns if he really gets rolling Freeman uh, but if the running game doesn't really going in a game that the Chargers need uh, in theory I mean I mentioned before that they may pack it in the second half uh, that might open up uh, Freeman for some extra yards in the second half if they're you know starting to rest some of the defensive starters um, but uh, you know as at the start of this game the Chargers need this game to you know to move up so they are probably going to play to win uh, that may limit uh, Freeman's production in the first half. One more injury situation. Let's talk about Lamar Miller. Bill O'Brien confirmed that Miller is good to go for Week 17 against the Jaguars. He's been a full participant in practice this week after missing the one game. Alfred Blue and uh, Deonta Freeman are either backups there. They weren't very good against the Eagles. They only combined for 13 yards and 11 carries. With Lamar Miller back, looks like he's going to be not only the number one back, but he's going to be the workhorse. Yeah, they, they they play the Jaguars obviously, and uh, the last game that the Miller played against the Jaguars in Jacksonville, twenty-two carries, one hundred yards, and a touchdown. So he had one of his best games of the year against the Jaguars. Uh, I would expect him to be back in the you know this was last week was the week where Deonta Foreman might uh, try to take over the situ- you know take over the running back situation there, the the job there. He had two catches for twenty-eight yards and a touchdown, two targets. So that was good, but he had seven carries for negative one yards, which is not good. Uh, so I think Miller will be back in a game that the the Texans will want to win. All right, let's let's go over some stat chasers. I know that you you like to kind of group some players together that could be going after certain career mile markers, and that's important to know in in DFS play. Uh, George Kittle and Travis Kelsey. What do you got on those two? Well, they're kind of battling it out for the season uh, record for. Uh, tight end uh, receiving yards. So Kelsey, I think, is going to be motivated regardless because the Chiefs need to win a game uh, to win the number one seed in the AFC. Uh, but Kittle, on the other hand, there's been a lot of talk about uh, Kyle Shanahan trying to get him that record. So if, if they're peppering him with targets, that's obviously good uh, for DFS players or for season-long players that need Kittle to score. I mean, obviously, if you're in season-long, you're probably going to start Kittle this week anyway. Um, but there's a little bit of extra motivation, I think, this week with him uh, trying to get and trying to get a lot of receiving yards and trying to get him 
more than than what Kelsey's getting because they're both fighting for the same record. Devontae Adams is dealing with a knee injury. Uh, interim coach Joe Philbin said that they're going to have to wait and see on Adams' availability against the Lions in Week 17. He is seeking to break the Packers' single-season catch and receiving uh, numbers record. So I, do, you, do you anticipate him playing? Do you think that that's, that's big enough for Adams to, to, to give it a go on the knee? Yeah, I don't know. I want to see what he does today in terms of practicing. Uh, I don't... You know, knees, knee injuries are pretty dicey. If he, if it's bad and he can't play, then I don't see the point of them running him out there and maybe risking more injury uh, just to, to win uh, a record uh, in the Packer record books. So, uh, you know, Rodgers is well aware of where he stands. If Adams is out there, if he practices fully today or is, is active on Sunday, um, then that's definitely worth a stack uh, in one of my DFS lineups. But, um I wouldn't have 100% confidence that he's going to, to play. Julio Jones is still de- dealing with hip and ribs injuries, but he's been he's been banged up for you know over a month now. I feel like every week he doesn't practice, but he still suits up on Sunday. He's got an opportunity to win the NFL's receiving crown. He's not much of a stack guy. I think he's I think he's just going to play anyways because he he seemingly uh, suits up for every every game regardless of injury. Yeah, uh, I I think he. But again, this is a Friday situation where we see what he does. They're not, they haven't been playing for anything in a while, and he's been playing through these injuries, so I would assume he'd be out there again if he's able to practice today. Uh, he's battling, with, I think, with DeAndre Hopkins for the uh, receiving title, so that might be important to him. But he, as you mentioned, he's not much of a stat guy. So, um, you know, Julio's one of those guys that if he's active, you, you, you start him, you play him. Uh, I guess in DFS, I'd be... A little bit more uh, hesitant to, to use him uh, just because you're worried about re-injury or whatever. But, again, it's a Friday situation. If he's practicing fully today or if he's good to go, then uh, I would feel pretty comfortable using him. And then if you're going to pick a defense this week, DFS play, season-long league, you gave out some good good defenses last week. Who do you like this week? Yeah, I mainly uh, look for teams that are still playing for something, uh, good defenses that are still playing for something, and most of the good defenses are still playing for something. Uh, the Saints being an exception, the Cowboys, not really a great fantasy defense, but a pretty good real-world defense, not really playing for anything. So they've, they're ranked 17th and 18th in, in my uh, defensive uh, rankings right now, defensive team rankings. Uh, so you're look, I'm looking at you know the Seahawks, who are still playing for something, theoretically. I think that they will go out there and, and try to win that game against the the Cardinals, and that's just a great matchup. They're 32nd, just a fantasy points allowed to defenses, and you know, the Texans, Bears, Steelers, Patriots, Vikings, Chiefs, Ravens, Rams, Colts, Eagles, they're all playing for something still. So, you know, you want teams that are uh, still motivated and preferably playing against teams that are, are kind of packing it in. Uh, but that's less important than the, the defense itself. Are they motivated to, made it to win the game? Because, uh, you know, otherwise they're, they're thinking about, you know, golfing in Cabo or something. <laughs> All right, that's John Paulson. You can find him on Twitter at 444 underscore John. You can follow me at Anthony Stalter. Kind of a shorter podcast today because a lot of people uh, have, have wrapped up their fantasy leagues, but we did want to go through some DFS plays. And if you're still playing any of your, your season-long leagues, want to make sure we get to some of the, the dicier situations. Uh, I hope you have a happy new year, John. Are we going to do kind of a recap pod maybe in January at some point? Yeah, in a couple of weeks, I'm going to look at uh, the numbers and try to digest uh, 
good calls that I made, bad calls that I made, maybe mistakes that we can avoid in the future, general trends that I'm seeing. So, yeah, I think it will be a couple of weeks from now. Perfect. So we'll take a couple of weeks off, and we'll, we'll come, come at you again in January. And then throughout the off season, we'll come back for things like the draft or free agency and should kind of t- talk about it from a fantasy angle. Can't believe the, the, the fantasy league is uh, pretty much over with. But, again, hope you have a happy new year. Good luck if you're still playing this week. And for John Paulson, I'm Anthony Stalter. We'll see you next time on 444.com's The Most Accurate Podcast.